Hi, this is Ben Bova. I've written a lot of science fiction, and I think that I've devoted my life to trying to understand the opportunities and the dangers of the future. And if you listen to the Sci-Fi Saturday Night, you'll begin to understand a lot of that, too. pseudo-habitat and virtual marshmallow peeps factory deep on sub-level 4 of Area 59. Tonight we are proud to present A Shire to Remember, the incoherent meandering thoughts of Bilbo Baggins, charmingly narrated by Larry Bud Melman, TV's Jeffrey Peterson, the late Hugh Downs, and once again, beguiling Esther Williams. Welcome to TalkCast 291 and this week's edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Enjoying a pinched nerve in my lower back, which I am blaming on Google Calendar, I am the Dome. Joining the talk cast tonight, uh, some of the rest of the Gang of Five in the Revere Time Vortex, our technical anarchist, for those of us who are uninformed peasants, which means the rest of the known universe, if there's a button worth pressing, she's already done it multiple times, her own girl genius, Kriana. Yeah, whatever. Exactly. From a galaxy not as far, well, actually further away as time dilation insists it must be, Our Lady of the Lake, she has opinions and enjoys sharing them when not on medical leave for what we will refer to as her, quote, allergy issues, unquote. Please welcome Sir Sarah Lady Knight. Um, allergy issues or just like death about Chloe Bennett. Either one is fine. Back from his cryogenic Disney internship, unfortunately it was Roy, not Walt, our Midwestern correspondent, after having spent the past 11 weeks undercover at the Darth Vader Institute for Multiple Personality Disorders and Anger Management, it's that guy who likes shiny stuff, Awake by Java. Silent. Awake by Java. Happy Arms Day, everyone. <laughs> As in you forgot to use them, but whatever. <laughs> Our guest tonight from the charity Extra Life, Jason West and Devin Cody. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, thanks for having us on. Hey, glad to be here. Yeah, you say that now, but we have barely started the show. Not a problem. We'll be talking with them about Extra Life and the things that are going on and uh, with uh, the charity and the children's uh, Miracle Network Hospitals and the work that they're doing with them later on in the show. But first, it's the news. It's the news. We were doing so well. Kriana, press the button. She's gone. We've lost her. <laughs> I give up leaving. Goodbye, I can everyone. Do this. Do 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 do. Isn't that the noise? Yeah, that was close enough. That's the noise in my head. Yeah, well, it's kind of the noise in all of our heads tonight. Ah, uh, we'd like to begin tonight because Sir Sarah Lady Knight was on assignment for this weekend. I did. I went on an adventure. I drove to Western Massachusetts, which is an adventure in itself. Such an adventure. I mean, it was really just down, like, I just went straight. Um, so it was really, like, easy to get there. But it was in Northampton. It was Topaticon. And it was really fun. Um, it's the first year of Topaticon. And I didn't really know what to expect. Um, and it was very small. And there was, like, sunlight. Like, a convention center with, like, windows. So no, that's just actually, wrong. So like, see the sunlight and I had like a five minute conversation with Danielle Corsetto about how weird it was to see sunlight 
at a convention and know what yeah, time of day it was just and not be in and as I talked about to Jeff Jacksmith, not being a, a black pit of doom. <laughs> um, but it was a really great con. Uh, talked to Kate Leth, fond over her a little bit, wished her happy birthday. Uh, found some really cool um, like comic artists and stuff that hopefully um, I've sent a list that you guys need to vote on so we can see if we can have them on the show. What a great idea. Right? Maybe you guys should read the email that I sent you. It's fine. Things are fine. Um, but yeah, it was a great convention. Um, a lot of good people, a lot of good talent. I bought way too much stuff, uh, bought two necklaces and, uh, had a great time. And then at the end, I stumbled upon an antiquarian book sale, uh, that was down the hall. It was, um, it was pretty great. I bought my roommate, uh, a book of, uh, fairy tale cats because, you know, cats. And because cats. Books. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it. it was great. It was good times. So hopefully we'll be seeing some people from Top Capocon, Topaticon, Topaticon, Topodicon. I, I I have no idea how to pronounce it. <laughs> you got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing at all. So hopefully <laughs> we'll be having some of those people on the show uh, that you met there in the near future. Yeah. Which brings us to the rest of the news this week. Java, There's where no, would you like to walk us to? There's no news this week. It's been a light. Newsweek, hasn't it? Well, you know, I mean, there's there's tons of shows, but they're in their second week. Or uh, first. So there's there's nothing, or yeah, second or first week, and so there's not much to say yet. You know, you kind of just gotta let the show get itself started. Um, the other night we watched the first two episodes of Doctor Who, um, and because because it was a it was one story arc. Um, and a decent story arc too, I think. It was interesting. I, I'm a little bit, I, I'm a little bit uh, jaded, maybe when it comes to the Daleks because because they're really fucking overdone, and I'm super over them. And Stephen Moffat needs to stop rewriting his own fucking mythology, even though he didn't create the Daleks. He just keeps rewriting them every time he gets bored. Yeah. I mean, okay. I don't know. I, I, mean, I haven't this... seen anything since the uh, Robin Hood episode, so no. I'm not up on what's currently happening because I gave up. Yeah, I, I, I kind of thought the whole, you know, interesting arc of how the Daleks began, is, which was now rewritten, I think, for the third time. Uh I don't, I don't know. No, no one cares have? about the Daleks. All any, okay, first of all, that, that episode was boring as fuck, except for Missy. <laughs> How did I know that's single-handedly saving this show. You, you could very well be right. P- Peter Capaldi has sure. redeemed himself in that they're finally letting him have any personality whatsoever. Well, at least they're letting him have a personality. Right, right. And they didn't all last season, which is why he was so disappointing. He was just like, I am wooden actor. I will act woodenly. Might as well have been a Dalek. Might have been Christopher Pine. Ha! Why kill me? Wow. (laughs) Good joke, Dome. Wow. (laughs) Anyway. um, But the second episode, all he did was sit there and talk. It was the boringest thing on the face of the... It wasn't even a good conversation. It was just, like, a fangirl sitting in her bedroom wondering what that conversation might sound like, and that's what was vomited onto the script. And it had no depth whatsoever. Everyone was entirely 100% exactly predictable. But... Except for Missy. And Missy yeah. and Clara's dynamic is amazing. Was actually very cool, yeah. And it was about as exciting as that show has been in the past year. But only the one quarter of it where they were on screen. There was enough of it there, I think, to to give us some hope that... The main point of the episode was ridiculous. It was stupidity. Well, I mean... They're they're all slapjarred like, OMG, Scarrow! Like, they haven't been to Scarrow like six times in the past five episodes, slash season, slash whatever. Like, seriously? Seriously? Uh, I I don't know. 
we, I mean, we could talk this to death because we did it the other week, but uh, I, I wasn't as satisfied with the episodes as I want to be. And I, maybe that's just because, you know, there's, there's so much expectation there. And I think that there were a few times last year where Peter Capaldi really did a great job. Um, and I think that it takes a year for a, for an actor to get into the role of the doctor. And despite the fact that he's an experienced actor, I think that it's a tough thing for anyone. I don't anyone think it was to... his fault, though. I don't. Like, I think it was the script. It was I think, I think they the were telling him what to do and how to be. And he told someone to screw off because it's completely changed. He's not the same. He's not the same. And yeah, the other the other actors took time to grow into their roles, but not like that. It wasn't that like a it wasn't like a switch, right? I I don't know. I, I guess in the t- in this story arc, I I felt I felt a lot more of David Tennant there. Um, and there wasn't any. I mean, I don't expect any silliness. I don't expect any Matt Smith there. Um, and thank God there isn't. I've had enough of that. I liked it. I liked Matt Smith, but um, the I, I don't know. I just I didn't I like. I think that Sarah or uh, um, Priyana was right. It was entirely predictable. Like the whole time, I knew that Davros was trying to trick the Doctor, and that the Doctor already knew what was going on and wasn't going to be tricked, and that I could expect. Um, Clara to get into some kind of predicament that only the only you know would be resolved by the end of the episode, and that M- Missy or the Master was going to be crazy as hell and amazing. I mean, they finally wrote a character that has an arc of emotion instead of this is me happy and this is me sad. Well, and and I think that Missy, as compared to the Master. Um, from Classic Who, I mean, the Master was always crazy, but he was never maniacal. And so I think that Missy is a nice, um, a nice new element in the story. But, but I, I mean, like I said, we could talk about Doctor Who forever. I'm not quite sure that I'm, I'm on board with this th- season yet. We'll, we'll just have to give it another few episodes and see. I, mean, I think I you can say that about anything that, that's uh, come out this year. Heroes Reborn, I think, is a whole different thing as well. Uh, yeah, even yeah. Zach, Zachary Levi can't get me to watch that show. I've heard so many bad things about the first episode. I'm like, unless it gets better, I'm not going to waste my time. I'm not well, going to start sat, it either. Uh, I sat through the, the whole two hours. Yeah, what do you think? The, that's that's that right there is a warning sign. If the first episode is two hours long, I'm already not interested. <clears throat> I was a fan of the first season of the original series. Yeah, that was Everybody. everyone. It was a great Everybody. season, and then except for the very last episode, at which I looked at it and went, "You bastards! You just threw everything away." Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I did. I don't really remember exactly what happened, but I remember like finishing it. And then going, because I, I just watched it recently, like within the last few years, um, after it had all finished airing, and I finished the last episode of season one, and I was like, okay, I'm done. Like, there's no reason for me to watch any more of it. Yeah, well, they gave themselves the safety valve for the next episode in the last 30 seconds of the first season. Yeah. And I just kind of went, that's the, the most ridiculous cheat I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so, I, I, I mean, I, I came at it with a a vast amount of trepidation knowing how good it could be and how bad it actually got it at points. Mm-hmm. And this had realistically elements of both. It brought some new mythology into it, which I liked a lot. It brought uh, uh, a Japanese anime uh, character in, which I liked a lot. And there was a lot of stuff in between that I just kind of sat there and went, oh, this could just fall back the other way. So, I, I'm torn right now after the first two hours and really undecided where I want to go with it or if I really want to watch episode three, but I, I know I'm going to. Well, here's where, I'm, here, here's where I'm at with it. The only thing I know is that it hasn't gotten good reviews so far. 
of course, a lot of people are jaded about heroes or whatever. So, I mean, I'm going to take that with a little bit of um, trepidation. But uh, I know that they said that this particular storyline was supposed to be Heroes Season 10. Now, it never got yeah. that far. Yeah. But it was conceptualized as a further along in the storyline season. It's seven years from the last season in, so, in timeline. So, yeah. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I guess I just, I'm not, it doesn't make me excited to watch. Like, unlike another show that I was told about, and I'm kind of dying to see, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say this about it briefly because it sounds amazing. It's a mini series. It's on Netflix called Ascension. And the premise is that in the 60s, the world sent a deep space mission in which hundreds of people are in, on a massive ship and they all are not going to see the end of the mission because it's going to take hundreds of years to get to their, their destination. Um, but everything is apparently in that 60s mod type aesthetic even though it's 2015 or something so okay, they've weird. developed <laughs> they've developed all of their technology alongside the like the home world but there's no communication so it's all in a completely different aesthetic and stuff and they wear like all the 60s clothes and things like that it's so it's not quite retro but it's more like retro modern i don't know it sounds really interesting and uh you know big spaceships are always Fun. Well, yeah, art. You know, the whole that's a that's a whole genre of science fiction arc ship, yeah, uh, which is is been around forever. Uh, some people have done it really, really well. Norman Spinrad uh, wrote an, uh, uh, a wonderful uh, novel about it, and so did uh, a number of people whose name escapes me at the moment. So, yeah, it sounds. It's it's a premise that hasn't been used in a while, so it's worth a look. Yeah, I think so. And you know, in, in TV, there's the X Files trailer, right? I am so so looking forward to this. You have no idea. I I don't watch X. I've never seen X Files, so I can't. You've see never it. seen oh, that show? I watched like two episodes of it, and I was like. This is the worst. Why do people like this? <laughs> I said the same thing about Babylon 5. Why on earth would it I haven't gotten up the moxie to try that one yet. Babylon 5. Come on. It's the worst show. No, nah, it's not the worst show. No, not by far. Not by a long shot is that the worst show. But I am I mean, it, we're, we worst? live in a world where Smallville exists. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean... Exactly. Eh? I mean, Smallville X Files. Actually, no, no. Actually, don't even it care. depends who was in that episode of Smallville. I think. <laughs> Not a chance. Yeah, I just hate Gillian Anderson, and I hate what's his face even more. David Duchovny. Oh my god! I just like want to <laughs> shoot myself in the brain every time I hear his name. We could probably add him to that list of people who will never be on the show now. Um, there's a really catchy song that was produced by the cast and crew of X-Files that I've never seen an episode of X-Files, but I have been shown this song. It's called David Duchovny, Why Won't You Love Me? Yeah, I've heard it. Me? It's really catchy. Don't listen it's to it. It's so catchy. Oh Don't my god. listen it to it. I had all the fucking You will want to rip your eyeballs out. Every time someone <laughs> says X-Files, it's just like, I want to rip my eyeballs out. Um... Yep. And the acting is wooden, the plots are transparent, or just outright stupid. I will be the first to admit that I am not a fan of Gillian Anderson, uh, because I don't think she's a terrific actress. I do think, within really, really defined roles that she's capable of dealing with, she does well. And I think The X-Files is a good vehicle for her. It's some... It's... It's one of those things that's an acquired taste, I think. It lasted for uh, seven, eight seasons, and I liked it. So I'm looking forward to it. For those of you who didn't like it or don't like Duchovny or can't deal with Gillian Anderson, I get it. But I'm looking forward to it. 
Yep. TV. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Agents of something. S.H.I.E.L.D. came back. No, I want to talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for, like, two seconds, because I can't really talk a lot, because everything hurts. Um, but uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. came back, and it was great, except they're, like, really trying to push Fitzsimmons, and I'm, like, really over it. I, like, at this, like, it was kind of annoying at the end of last season, but the beginning of this season, like, everything was great, except for that, and I'm like, you're fucking shoehorning that in. Like, they grew apart, Fitz moved on with Mac, fight me, and now it's like, oh, just kidding, none of that happened, they're in love, they've always been in love. No, there's no evidence. What the fuck is wrong with you? Here's here's my take on that whole thing. The best best moment of the whole Fitzsimmons deal was in the uh, coming attractions for next week. Which part? At the oh. very end, where we find out where the obelisk has actually taken her to. Oh, I don't. I don't think I saw that. Okay, it turns out that the obelisk is like a black hole that moves. Spoiler oh, yeah, alert. Uh, yeah, but uh, did it tell us where she is? Because I know it actually showed a picture of her uh, on a, on an alien world. Yeah, no, we know she's on an alien world, but like, how is that a Fitzsimmons part? That's just Simmons. Well, it's like you know he's 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 doing his uh, Stella routine. Uh, oh yeah, no, that was that desire. was great. That was like I was dying, but he can do but, that making silly best friends. So I'm annoyed that this is being shoehorned in because it's super predictable and super boring, and also like not textually like a thing. Not anymore. No, like not at all. So it's fine. I'm annoyed with it. But everything else was super great. I'm really excited about this season. I'm really in love with Daisy. I can't get used to her being called Daisy. I'm sorry. I'm working on it. I'm trying. It's it's getting easier. Um, there was this cute... Let me see if I can find and put in the links of this cute article that Chloe Bennett did about um, how she's adjusting to the name change. Um, we can keep talking because I'll just very, put this in the strange. Hey, who doesn't like... Robot Wars. <clears throat> um, Anybody? Anybody? Because I love uh, Robot Wars. I, I thought that 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 uh, Comedy Central slash ABC show uh, was was amazing. And these guys, uh, there's evidently this Walker robot in Japan that. Uh, that challenged the United States to come and fight it, and these guys got a half a million dollars on a Kickstarter to build the robot. Other way around, uh, the United States challenged Japan. Was it really? Yep. Yeah. What ended up happening is uh, the U.S. company made their first, and then they said, all right, Japan, you've got Caritas, we've got this one. Uh, time for a big robot battle. It's been in the making for years. Anime's been doing it for years. It's time to throw down. And then the and then Japan complained because the American one has guns on it. <laughs> of course it does. The Japanese because... one only has a big ass sword. No, it has no, dual airsoft Gatling guns. <laughs> so you know it'll get worked out eventually, but. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I don't know. The big problem with uh, big robot wars is that we're not in Instagram. Re- it's not really as exciting as you think it's gonna be. I know. It looks like it should be really awesome, and it ends up being like somebody's gonna hit somebody, and then they're gonna fall over. Well, they've got a lot of uh, people involved with it on both sides. I mean, NASA and a couple of other big companies are actually helping out the American team, and it's the same in Japan. They've got big multinational corporations in on it, so. Yeah. It'll look spectacular. It really looks freaking cool. It really does. I'm like, I want to be there. I want to watch it. I know it's going to be a disappointment, and I don't care. I just think it's cool that robots are finally going to fight. Any big giant robot fight is better than no big giant robot fight. Absolutely. Finally, somebody understands where I'm coming from with this. And That's at this true. point, uh, unless 
Java, Sarah, do we have anything else we really want to no, deal with? It. Except no, maybe the Java the Hut Christmas lawn ornament, but I'm just going to leave the picture of that. I'm fine with that. Uh, <laughs> uh, if that's it, then uh, let's uh, let's move the show from what we've been struggling to call news for the past half hour to uh, Jason West and Devin Cody from Extra Life Charity. Gentlemen, how you doing? Pretty good. good. How you guys how you? doing? Uh, we're kind of disappointed with the new television season, but I, you've heard all that. Never mind. Um, we met you guys at uh, Granite State Comic Con. You had a booth there, and it said, play video games, save lives. And we were intrigued by that. <laughs> yep. No, it's uh, Extra Life is a wonderful charity. Um, it allows people to do what they love and it doesn't have to be video games it can be anything board games uh tabletop games role-playing games um but it did start off as as uh video games um and you get to do what you love you get to play those games and at the same time you get to raise money to help uh kids right in your own backyard um in our instance we support uh, both Devin and i support the boston children's hospital um, but each each person, uh, when they sign up for Extra Life, gets to find their local children's hospital and support it. So how did this all start with you guys? With us um, personally or the organization in general? Well, you know what? I mean, the organization, sure. But, I mean, how did you guys get involved? Yeah, you, first, you, Jason, you, you, you joined up first. All right. Yeah, I've been doing this for about six years. Um, I'm. I think uh, Extra Life has been going for eight or nine. Um, but uh, I I saw a uh, newspaper article uh, on a bunch of local gamers who did a 24-hour gaming marathon to you know raise money for the kids. Um, and and it just kind of you know I wanted to find out more, and so I looked into it and I found Extra Life, and uh, it was great. I mean the community. Uh, when it first started off, was uh, a, it was a very niche group. Um, there weren't a lot of us. I can remember the first year. Um, it was uh, it was uh, we had a live stream uh, broadcast going that that year, and it was big news when we uh, broke a hundred thousand dollars raised that year. Uh, and again, that was being divvied up amongst uh, many many children's hospitals across the country. Uh, but to give that some scope, uh, this past year. Devin, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we raised 6.9 million. Wow! Yeah, somewhere thereabouts. It's uh, it's grown leaps and bounds every year for the past like three or four years. It's gone up by a couple million dollars each year. That's uh, kind of stunningly amazing. Yeah, uh, the 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 kind of brains behind the whole operation. We all call him Doc, uh, but it's a man named Jeremy Adams. Um, it started off, uh, he was a radio DJ, and he was down in Texas, and um, there was uh, a, a, a local uh, girl who was being treated at uh, the children's hospital, um, and he wanted to find something that uh, he could do to, to kind of help her while she was there, so he uh, had a podcast, uh, Sarcastic Gamer. Uh, he reached out to his his group of uh, listeners and and asked them to send games, things that she could do while she was at the hospital. And he was just taken back by um, the uh, outpouring of support that uh, that he got. Uh, he told me a story where um, by the end of it, he they had so many donated Xboxes and you know Playstations, different things, games that she actually had to give them away to to other patients being treated at the hospital. And that kind of got him thinking, well, hey, and there's something here. We, we can make this bigger than just, you know, sending games to sick kids, you know? So, Devin, how did you get involved? Uh, well, I only did my first Extra Life last year. Um, and I did pretty good. I, I raised a decent amount of money for someone starting out first year. And... Um, you know, I, I enjoyed doing it. I did 12 hours of gaming at my local game store, and then I did 12 hours of streaming. Um, it was a lot of fun, and uh, later on in the year, I got an invitation to something called Extra Life United. Um, it was the first year they were doing it. They made that very clear in the email, but what it basically was was a conference for extra lifers to get together, and this was happening down in Disney. 
Um, I hadn't had a vacation in a while, and for $300, I got to go on a Disney vacation. So I said, yes, please. I, I would love a four-day vacation in Disney for cheap. There you so, go. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's pretty funny because we flew down, and actually that's where I met Jason, and Jason lives in the town over from me, so we had to fly <laughs> down to Florida to meet each other. Um, but really what grabbed me and what got me involved was that experience at Extra Life United. Um, I, I really can't like explain how much of an impact it was. So I went down there. I met probably a 100 plus of us who were down there. We were competing in a big charity tournament, the winner of which won $98,000 out of a pool of $180,000. So it was, it was the most fun tournament I've ever played in in my entire life for any sort of gaming event because it was so low pressure. And I just want to chime in when he says that, you know, one, we were actually competing for our local children's hospital. So, so you were taking the prize pool home to your hospital. Yeah, it wasn't. That's, that's what I was getting at. It was like there was no pressure because all of the money we were competing for was for the charity. It was going towards the hospital of your choice. But no matter what happened, everybody wins because all of the money is going to children who need it one way or the other. It was a wonderful event. I got to meet a bunch of the champions. The champions are uh, children that are selected by Children's Miracle Network. They go, they get a, a Disney vacation. They got to meet the First Lady. Um, we got to meet a whole bunch of these kids, and they were absolutely wonderful. We got to meet their families and talk with them. And just the entire event from start to finish, meeting all these people, getting to play these great games with them, just the whole experience just made me want to do so much more. Um, so Jason and I put our heads together, and we just took it away from there. Uh, we and, created... And, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. And uh, that was my next question. And what, have, what is it that you two have done together? Jason and I have put our heads together down in Florida and back up here in New Hampshire, and uh, we decided... There's no extra life presence in New Hampshire there needs to be. So we came up with the concept of something called a satellite guild. And the way I a satellite... Go ahead. I, I think you kind of have to explain the guild system to understand the, our satellite guild. All um, right. You go ahead and do that because they seem to be jumping the gun out of excitement. Yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> so basically, um, I want to say three, maybe four years ago, Extra Life uh, initiated uh, a guild program. And, and what the guild is, is basically um, major cities would get uh, a group of people that were basically volunteers for Extra Life. But the goal was to recruit people to support that specific local hospital. So uh, one of the, actually the first guild that was created was the Boston Extra Life Guild. Um, it was the first of eight that were made. Um, and it was kind of a, an experiment. Nobody knew if it was going to work. Um, all but two of the guilds basically kind of failed in the first year. Uh, the two exceptions being Boston. And I want to say it was Atlanta. Um, and so they kind of, they, they redid the whole, um, scheme based on the Boston model. Um, because that was where they had the most success. And since then, I think they've launched, I want to say it's another 64 guilds um, that are all doing amazing things for their local uh, area hospitals. Um, so what, uh, Devin, if you want to go ahead and take over on, on the satellite so guild. My, my question is, are most of those guilds in like urban, major, large cities or... You know, because yeah. that's the opposite of what, what we have up here in New Hampshire. Well, right. So so that's where the children's hospitals typically are. Um, they typically ten, tend to be in major cities. Right. Um, and so that's where the guilds get centered. Because without the support of Children's Miracle Network, um, I guess this is kind of the unique setup that they have. Each children's miracle network hospital so all that means is is just a, a children's hospital that has enrolled in children's miracle network they're not run or owned by children's miracle network in right. any way they just are right. supported by them um they get a person uh from children's miracle network assigned to them so there is an employee at boston children's hospital whose sole purpose is to basically 
get them what they need if they can from Children's Miracle Network. It's basically just a, a, a staffer who's there to say, what, what do you need? And, and that's also, that's Carrie in our case, uh, Carrie Damone. She supports our guild efforts by, um, getting us into, uh, the conventions, you know, so that we have a table where we can tell people about what, what it is we do. Um, she, uh, puts us in touch with like, uh, we have a partnership with the Microsoft store here in New Hampshire, uh, and also down in, in Boston. And they, they do all sorts of wonderful things for us to help us spread the word. So, um, should they really facilitate everything? So in New Hampshire, you have a satellite guild. Explain how that works. So this wasn't the only place where an issue was at hand, and that issue was that the state or the location where there was a lot of extra lifers didn't really have a children's hospital that was around and enrolled in Children's Miracle Network, but there was still a significant enough extra life population to warrant some sort of an organization of the effort. So what we put our heads together and came up with was something called a Satellite Guild. And the Satellite Guild is basically a branch of the nearest main guild. And we work with them and off of them to sort of organize the effort in another area where a children's hospital may not be present uh, to, you know, sort of get the, the extra life word out there. So we're an arm of the Boston Guild. And we handle all of the events south of Concord right now. So any sort of conventions or cons that happen in between us and the border uh, is, is where we sort of are active as a guild, or as a satellite guild, I should say. So Jason, you've been doing this for seven years. Devin, this is your second. Um, what has it done for you to do this kind of work? Um, I, I guess I'll hop in first. Please. It's it's been a, an amazing experience for me. Um, I've got to meet some amazing people. Um, I, I was also at uh, Momentum this year with Devin, um, and uh, I, it's hard to put into words exactly what happened down there in Florida. Um, those kids that came down, the uh, the champions, one one from each state, and uh, I think each province of Canada. Um, those they're all children being treated at a at a children's miracle network hospital and they got treated like rock stars they came in uh in a in a in a big parade and we all lined up and they you know high-fiving us there was music there was things falling from the rafters i mean disney uh didn't leave anything out for these kids uh they came in um they signed autographs. There were books with, you know, that had each one of their pictures. Um, and we got to go around and get their autograph and they gave us pins and other little things. You can probably hear this little shaking <laughs> in my voice. It was a, it was a, it was an intense experience to meet all these kids. Um, because they, they go through a lot, you know, and, um, it's, it's the little things we can do to, to, to help them along their journey, you know? Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I, talk... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, and I mean, that's the real reason why we do this, is not, not only to help the kids, but that's the best part about it, but the other part that's fantastic about it is we get to turn this, this passion and this hobby that we enjoy so much, which is gaming, and instead of turning it into a time sink or just something to relax to, we get to really focus the energy into something useful and productive. And volunteering for it is fun. Like Jason said, we get to meet a ton of new people and go to these cons and we get to talk to people there about something that we're passionate about and that we enjoy. And just everything we get out of the experience is just nothing but positive. And that's really what keeps drawing a lot of people back year after year, especially people like Jason and I, where we just, you, you see what happens that one time and you just, you can't stop. You just, you want to keep going just to make things better for the world around you. So on Saturday, November 7th, beginning at 8 a.m. Eastern time, Extra Life has their 24-hour gamer marathon. 
Yeah. So uh, I guess what we we sh- we should probably tell people exactly what it actually what is. is. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's my question because it's it's happening all over the country and, and throughout Canada and. You know, uh, if if somebody's listening to the show, they're 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 at this point trying to figure out how the heck do I get involved? And I mean, it's happening Absolutely. like where, how, why? Yeah, and here's what you do: it's it's you go to extra-life.org, um, and you can sign up. It takes two minutes. You can sign up completely free, um, and you get your own uh, uh, donation page. Um, you can customize it, put up pictures, videos. Um, and then it's shareable to whatever social media you prefer. And once you have that in place, all you have to do is pledge to play games for 24 hours. Now, of course, there's, you know, they, we understand that that's, it's, it's a lot more difficult than it sounds. So if you need to take breaks, you need to split it up into six hour shifts. However you want to do it, you can. Um, some of us are, are hardcore and we go from 8 a.m. to 8 a.m. But, uh, but you can do it however you want. You don't even have to do it on the 7th. The benefit of doing it on the 7th is that there is a live stream on Twitch, uh, if you're familiar tw- with uh, Twitch streaming, that you can watch a bunch of different participants. Um, the actual uh, people who run Extra Life will have a, a whole bunch of live streams. Um, there are a lot of major sponsors now, so uh, Dungeons & Dragons, Magic the Gathering, PlayStation, among Wizards others. Wizards of the all- Coast, Sony, Microsoft, yep. Twitch themselves is a massive yep. supporter. They actually put aside an entire section of the website, which is for streaming on game day. Yep, and they'll all be running. They run teams of their own, and I'll go into teams in a second. Um, but you can want you can go to their live streams, watch what they're doing. They're, a lot of times, they have a lot of giveaways that you can um, participate in and try and earn by donating or just getting donations. Um, but but I guess really the the best thing to do is you go to like I said, extra-life.org. You get your page, um, and and from there, as an example, my first year, uh, all I did. And still to this day, all I do is I, sign, I, I get my page each year and then I share it on Facebook with friends, family. I explain what I'm doing and I expected that I might you know, raise a couple hundred dollars. But I was blown away because that first year I raised almost $1,000 just sharing a Facebook link. And the, the, the amount of support that I think that you fi- you'll find – um, when you just tell your friends and family, "Hey, look, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna play board games. I'm gonna play video games. I'm gonna run a 24-hour D&D game," um, and uh, all you have to do is you sponsor me, like you would sponsor a runner in a race. And I promise I'm gonna stay up for those 24 hours. I'll live stream it. I'll take pictures. I'll put up updates on my Facebook. You can see how I'm doing. You can come play with me, um, and and basically just get people involved and get people excited about it. So are there events being held all over the country that are running on the live stream? Uh, are comic book stores and, and game stores also participating? Yes. Yeah, there, yeah there's a lot of that. Um, Devin, do you know of, of some local? Locally, uh, I know that Double Midnight Comics is going to be doing an event. I also know that... Really? Shocking! I can't believe they would hold an event of this caliber. I know, but it's so unlike them to do stuff like this. Isn't they it? hate awesome things. They really do. <laughs> we uh, we kind of like them over there. Well, they're good people, definitely. Um, Myriad Games does one every year. Double Midnight Comics does one every year. There's a, a store in Manchester named Neon Bomb that's going to be doing something. Nice. Um, there are there are a lot of stores. There are a lot of companies that do online events where you can sign up online to do them and. That's one of the cool things about it is you get incentives to really try to get those donations. They they do every year like little milestones that you can get like uh, just for the Extra Life team themselves. If you raise $200, you get a t-shirt. If you raise $500, you get a silver medal. If you raised $1,000, you get a gold medal. And just all these these fun things that you can get. Uh, last year, there was stuff you could get for like Neverwinter Nights. There was a $10 gift card to the store for a card game called Flux. There's just all these different things that you can get from different sponsors for just participating in the event, too. Yeah, and it, it doesn't. A little, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. And it doesn't matter what kind of game you're doing. No, not at all. Nope. The first year I played Yahtzee for six hours. 
Well, I know somebody who'd be playing Monopoly for twenty four if we let her. So, so my question is: Is that like, is this this November event the only one all year? That's the big one, yeah. That's all year. But the great thing about Extra Life is it's a year round charity. You can do whatever events you want whenever you want. Well, well here here's the problem: is we really wanted to participate, but then we realized we had a scheduling conflict, and there was no way we're going to be able to do anything for twenty four hours that day. Well, have I got some good news for you. What? What? <laughs> so, do you tell? You have, a bunch, you have a bunch of options. You don't actually have to. I started saying this before. You don't have to do it the day of. All that ha doing it the day of is you get to watch that live stream and kind of participate in things. But you can do it whatever day. Uh, I think it's as long as it's in before the end of the year, it'll count for this year. So as long as it's before cool. December 31st. However, they do have, and I know this is short notice, but um, they are trying to do some other events other than the big, you know, uh, one one day a year thing, and uh, this weekend, uh, so the fourth through the sixth, I think it is, um, is Tabletop Appreciation Weekend, and Extra Life has uh, a lot of the sponsors. Uh, again, I know Dungeons and Dragons, and I believe Magic: The Gathering, both Wizards of the Coast. What uh, if I played a game based on a tabletop game? <laughs> yeah. Yep. It, I, I mean, I feel like Baldur's Gate would count. I feel like Baldur's Gate would count too. Awesome, because I could totally play any of those for twenty-four hours <laughs> easily. In fact, I used to do it for like thirty-six hours. And I'm also thinking with, I don't know, thirty-six different versions of Monopoly sitting right behind. Well, me uh, right wait, wait, wait. That's that's different than tabletop. I mean, like. Technically, it is a tabletop game, but it's, it's not a tabletop game. Yeah, I know. I know. That's That does not count, I feel I'm just like. thinking we could switch boards every 20 minutes and still not get through all the games. If it doesn't have a non-standard die, it doesn't count. <laughs> if it has a simulated non-standard die, it totally counts. Uh -huh. so here's the here's the another fun idea, and this is just something that I do. We hold a we hold a party every year uh, on game day, and it's usually a small group. Well, thirty thirty people or so, and That's a small um, group. <laughs> yeah, small group, small group. But uh, I have and you're all set. Yeah, yeah, and and we set up the board games. But what we do is we do uh, a cheat for a cure event. So basically, I have two judges, my wife and one of her friends. And anytime you want to cheat throughout the day, it's perfectly acceptable as long as you pay for the cheat. And they act as judges, so you tell them what you want to do to cheat. And oh my god, this is this is this is the marketing strategy of a hundred freemium games. Isn't it? It's it's the greatest thing in the world. I'm not even joking. That that's <laughs> literally how they make their money. Don't want to wait, cheat. Pay money, right? And and who would ever who would ever call you on cheating to raise money to help for a charity? At, at least this yeah. one is going to a good cause. Exactly. It's, so yeah, we we were looking at the date and we kind of went, God, we're going to be away at a convention that weekend. So what you're saying is you're going to be gaming for twenty four hours anyway. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. More like we're going to be driving for an hour and then <laughs> wandering around aimlessly and then wandering around with video equipment and then wandering around aimlessly and then sitting at our table and then driving for another hour. And yeah, yeah. it's going to be an awful lot of that. Not oh, so yeah. much with the gaming. Well, I mean, that's why you bring board games to your table and play them while you're at your table. I, I'm against board games, actually. I, I'm right. anti board game. <laughs> Yeah, except for stuff like Tracy Hickman's game. Which um, that's only in the most technical sense a board game. But it is nonetheless a board game. I mean, I, I'm fine with like card games. I'm I'm cool with that, except for Apples to Apples. That one has been played out. Well, that's why you bring your card games. Super fight for hours. I didn't. <laughs> like a game. I didn't though. Sounds like a game Kriana would be good at. That that was your other your other daughter. Yes, I know. Okay. <laughs> Jason, Devin, uh, it it was really cool meeting you at at uh, GraniteCon, uh, and it's a really cool charity. I want to thank you for uh, coming on and talking about it today. Really. Oh, cool. thank you for having us. That yeah, uh, yeah. the opportunity was great. Yeah, what's happening for the next couple of weeks on Sci-Fi Saturday Night? 
Well, next week, um, we're finally discussing the Boston Metaphysical Society and the awesome Tesla pins. And on the 17th, Doug Jones. That's all you need to know. Doug Jones. I mean, maybe some other people, but no. Doug Jones. And then there's still stuff happening on the 24th, despite the fact that that should have been gone. So, hmm. <laughs> well, uh, somebody nice. typed in there, stuff's happening. Nice job, whoever did that. <clears throat> that would have been me. Sir Sarah? Yes, well, <clears throat> if I can speak. <clears throat> Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic-Con, Granite Con, Rhode Island Comic-Con, BooksAndBooze.com, and ComicArtHouse.com. Visit ComicArtHouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Check out more of their grooves on LawrenceMadeMeCry.com. <clears throat> Tonight's intro music provided by Rob Watts. Find more of his creations at robwattsonline.com. I did it. Dumb. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I want to thank our guests, Jason West and Devin Cody from Extra Life. Uh, it's it's a great, great charity. Support it however you can. Check it out. We will have all the links for you on the website. I want to thank our cast tonight for struggling through yet another one of these. From the Revere Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana. Thank you, darling. Yeah, you're lucky I'm here. Yeah, ooh, so lucky. Push another button. Continuing your own personal galaxy quest. Thank you, Sir Sarah. <coughs> I'm sick. Back from the shadows into the yogurt, it's Awake by Java. Thank you, sir. Go talk to the gunsmith. This is Dome saying Terry and Jeannie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus, do we refute empath- entropy? <laughs> oh, God. Good night, everybody. I know.